You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. How will the Cowboys begin the second half of the season? Well, we're here to find out. It's time to get riled up on the Cowboys as we do every Thursday with my man Tom Ryle and your boy Roy White. You can follow him at Tom Ryle BTB. You can follow me at RW3 on the Twitter sphere as long as it's still going, that is. And of course, you can follow all the great content at bloggingtheboys.com and make sure you subscribe to the YouTube page to get all that fantastic comment content that we are delivering to you 24-7. But Tom, take it a little bit of a different approach as we head into the second half of the season. Plenty of questions have been asked by us and the Cowboys, for their to their credit, have answered quite a few of them, right? And as we Mm -hmm. look at the second half of the season now, we're faced with an opponent who brings back a lot of painful memories for Cowboys. (laughs) I'm not necessarily sure if this is the same Green Bay football team that Cowboys fans have feared in the past, and I'm not necessarily sure if this is the same Aaron Rodgers that we feared in the past. But with all that being said, again – Slightly different approach to the second half, not necessarily questions to be asked from the Cowboys, but what we need to see from them to continue to believe that they have somewhere to go in the not-too-distant future. Yeah, and you you hit right off the bat with the first thing that I looked at, and that is the Cowboys can't be the first step in Aaron Rodgers' revival uh, to take this team, to take his team to the playoffs this year because right now they they look to be out of the race. I believe they're at three and six after their uh, their loss last week uh, to the Detroit Lions in a game where the Packers and Rodgers pretty much beat themselves. You know there were three interceptions thrown by Aaron Rodgers, who just doesn't do that, and the Lions were able to still eke out a win really uh you know with that when you get that many takeaways it shouldn't be that close but you know rogers is clearly not the same he's dealing with a thumb injury uh i don't have the real medical skinny on that but it obviously seems to be affecting his throws uh he missed practice on wednesday uh was held out because of that thumb i'm assuming they're treating him as in let's get him ready to go for Sunday. Uh, So I'm not taking that as a sign he's going to miss the game at all. But something is not the same. Uh, You add in the fact that he just doesn't have the supporting cast of receivers that he used to have. uh, And this looks to be a very beatable Green Bay team. Uh, And Rodgers has been sacked 18 times. Uh, which, you know, brings up the fact that 
he's not the kind of quarterback the Cowboys have had problems with. They've had problems with the running quarterbacks, you know, the guys that can take off and get 15, 20 yards that could they design running plays for. Uh, so, you know, Justin Fields was that kind of guy. He got 60 yards against them, and yet the Cowboys still walked away with a very convincing win. Mm -hmm. So I think Rodgers is not the problem that he's always been. It's just there's a lot of PTSD for Cowboys fans to deal with. And understandably so. I mean, we don't need to go and rehash the playoff game in 2017 that saw Jared Cook catch a ball, yada, yada, yada. Okay, yeah, we know what happened, all right? But this is not that Green Bay Packers team. And you talk about the supporting cast. That's the first and foremost item that I look to as, you know, comparing the two sides, right? That wide receiver supporting cast had Devontae Adams, Randall Cobb in his prime, and the star of the show, at least he wound up being at that time, and Jarrett Cook, who was a physical specimen coming out of college and even at that time in his career, was still had that in his bag. You look at this Packers wide receiver group now, and the best weapon is an is a injured Alan Lazard, right? Uh, a half-empty yeah. Alan Lazard. Romeo Dobbs had to leave their last game with a high ankle sprain. Christian Watson, the rookie wide receiver that they drafted this season to kind of help fill some of that void, has been out with a concussion in the past. So they are struggling to find weapons. And, oh, by the way, Aaron Jones, the running back who catches a lot of passes out the backfield, the much more likely between him and A.J. Dillon to catch passes out of the backfield, he was in a walking boot after their game last week. Now, he did practice on Wednesday, so I'm kind of expecting Aaron Jones to be available. But I say all that to say – a, the supporting cast is way down. B, though, and to me, the part that I hang my hat on, that I don't fear a revival of Aaron Rodgers as much as many Cowboys fans are, this defense is for real. Who looks at this defense on the schedule and says, I want to go up against that? That defense in 2017, Aaron Rodgers was licking his chops. But this defense, this is one of about maybe four defenses you don't want to see come Sunday. And the Packers, you know, the only part I fear about this game, truthfully, the only part I fear, Tom, is that this is really the Super Bowl for the Packers. And you mentioned their three and six start. But how about looking at the next three games? Cowboys, Titans, six and two, or excuse me, five and three after their loss to uh, Kansas City. And then... We have the Eagles undefeated. So if the Packers yeah. don't win this game, like this is the game that basically means what happens in their season going forward. So that is the only part right now that I fear of when it comes to what the Packers bring to the table. Yeah. Is this going to, how desperate are they going to be about this game? Because yes, you just described a situation where the, the Packers may be, they could tee up a guarantee of a losing season over that three-game stretch. You know, they've got to find a way to stop the bleeding uh, or they're just going to be totally irrelevant in the playoff race. Uh, it's especially, you know, because it's, it's going to be hard, I think, for a team to get to the wild card 
with a losing record, but it could happen just because there's so few second place teams in the NFC that are really that formidable. And us, like in the in the in the NFC South, you know, that could be if there's a losing record come out, it may be the NFC South champion. Uh, it's just this is a it's such a weird year. I just don't remember the uh, uh, the the whole conference just falling off a cliff uh, like they did, especially after their representative went and won the Super Bowl. So it's a it's a very strange year for all that. But you you did bring up the other side of this. Okay, you got Aaron Rodgers, who's not the most mobile quarterback. He's a big, strong guy. He's managed to get away just by muscling his way out of stuff. Yeah, I want to see him try that against Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence and Dorrance Armstrong. I don't think that's going to work. So what does that leave the, the Packers with? Maybe they're going to try to use the running game. Um, we saw the Bears try that and kind of fail. I guess I shouldn't say kind of. They failed. Uh, the, the, the Packers don't have the running game that the Bears have. Uh, it's interesting if you look at it, I think, I can't remember which is which, but you look at their just engrossed stats, their passing game, and their running game ranked 17th and 18th in the league. I can't remember which is which, but they're both middling, just kind of low middle of the pack stuff. So this is not something that we want to be that concerned about and you know, people want to say that's the big weakness for the Cowboys' defense. They're they're soft against the run. I think first off, they're getting stouter. One of the most interesting things last week was in the first game with Jonathan Hankins in the lineup. It's like the runs, the yards per run they yielded with him in the lineup were, I think, close to – it was you're getting close to half of what happened when he was out of the line. He was just completely clogging up the middle of the line. Nothing was happening there. Then, uh, you know, Anthony Barr went out about halfway through the game and forced rookie Damone Clark into action, where we were all expecting him just to be out there special teams getting his feet wet. And he played half the snaps on defense. He was incredible. Uh, for those yeah, who don't remember his story, right? I mean, he was the case. When they drafted him this season, they expected him to be a red shirt the entire year. That was the expect expectation for all the draft scouts said, hey, he's having a spinal fusion, I believe it was, and this is going to take mm -hmm. some time. Isn't and it? here he is, not just being activated to the active roster, playing a significant amount of snaps, Tom, and playing exceptionally well. Five tackles. In his first appearance as a rookie, I mean, who wouldn't take that from a linebacker? And he he may have some of the flexibility of Micah Parsons where they might start using him as a pass rusher at some point. But right now, having him in there to shore up the traditional linebacking role, which is stop the run and defend against mainly like tight ends, and people on crossing patterns shallow on the in the route. I think he is going to be a real unexpected blessing for the team going in. 
And then you have the other aspect. You know, yeah, Bears racked up 240. Well, well one thing about the Bears, though, okay. like that running, okay. I did want to say real quick about that running yards, like those were not design yards. The Cowboys give, oh, yeah. up, give up rushing yards by design because that's what they want you to do. Oh yeah, and that was that was part of what I was going to get into. You got to remember how much of that game the Cowboys played with a two and three score lead. They wanted the Bears to run the ball, eat up clock, have long grinding drives, and as I said, a quarter of the rushing yards came from Justin Fields, and some of that was just him getting loose and evading things when he was supposed to go back and pass and turning it into a positive for them. And that ain't going to happen with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, uh, he's just not the kind of guy. He can he can sometimes get you a first down with a scramble, but it's not something that you fear the way you do with players like Fields and some of the other quarterbacks that the Cowboys have already faced. I think that what we're going to see is they will probably be able to focus more on making sure the running game doesn't get going because they're probably going to trust the secondary to handle whatever's going on in the passing game. Just because you said the targets are not high quality for, for Aaron Rodgers, And when he does pass, you know, that seems like there's almost always somebody on that defensive front that's going to be coming, you know, bearing down on it. And he doesn't love pressure. You know, I mean, no quarterback does, but Aaron Rodgers seems to, you know, you can wilt him a little bit if you can get to him. Like he's a mo he's a mobile quarterback by 2005 mobile quarterback standards. Yeah. But in today's NFL, he has very little elusiveness inside the pocket. He doesn't have that Tony Romo one step spin move that can get him out of trouble if he's dead to rights and that's a position that I kind of expect the Cowboys to find themselves in not once, not twice, but potentially a couple of times, whether it's Michael Parsons or tank Lawrence, or one of those guys getting through up the middle, you know, Gallimore or Osa, like all these names that can potentially be there, you know, Dorrance Armstrong. I didn't even mention like all these guys are probably more athletic than Aaron Rodgers. That wasn't the case with Justin Fields, but they are all probably more athletic than Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, and and that's the thing. If he does try to evade, these are guys that can break it down and and bring him to the ground, uh, or at least get to him. Yeah. And, and so, you know, unless the rest go into full-out protection mode for him and are throwing a roughing call every time somebody brushes up against him after he throws the ball i think they're going to uh to to have no real problem handling this and and that means that the 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 linebackers in the interior of the defensive line and the, the safeties that come up in support can focus on making sure the running day game doesn't get on track uh you know i i just i feel good about it but it's like i said this is something they need to do. They need to show that this running defense is not a detriment and that actually some of the thing, times they've looked bad has been because the Cowboys were perfectly content to let the other team rack up ground yards because 
that wasn't going to get them to the end zone in a hurry. Yeah. I kept shaving time off the clock. It's uh, it's playing in the Cowboys' hands. And, hey, uh, if it skews the numbers, right, this is a Bill Belichick thing, right? When he was up mm-hmm. big in games, he would, you know, throw defensive plays out that he would never throw out there just to skew the numbers on what his team did in potential situations, right? Because when <laughs> other analytical groups would – run the numbers they would say well this is how the patriots lined up on third down against a two tight end one running back set right but when he has games in hand he would throw those things out there just to skew those types of numbers and i'm not necessarily saying that's what the cowboys are doing here but again i do agree with you that they're fully comfortable with the chicago bears doing exactly what they did last week because at no point in that game were the bears really threatening yeah they got got it to a one score game what from over the, i can't remember but i think it was for like one drive yeah, it was the third quarter yeah they did bring yeah, it back they, right right after the half like they had those two possessions where they bookended the half and they made it interesting and then the cowboys put the screws to them and it was a 20 point win and and that's the next thing that was I mean, I can't remember a more effective game from Dak Prescott. Uh, You know, first four drives, touchdown. Two more drives after halftime, touchdown. Uh, And five of them were just the case of them marching, marching efficiently down the field like seven, eight, nine, ten yards a play. Uh, It wasn't, you know the big scoring things that we saw cap things off when Tony Pollard got loose up the left sideline and went 54 yards for a touchdown. That wasn't the way they were doing it. They were just, it's like the bears could not stop them. They had, they converted nine of 11 third downs. It was, they, they, the Cowboys were doing whatever they wanted to do. Uh, without having to take a bunch of big risks, uh, you know, and the only big risk that really happened was that unfortunate interception at the end of the first half where Dak Prescott may have been feeling himself a little bit too much and took a shot. He probably wishes he hadn't, uh, but he was, I can't remember seeing him look better or more in command of a game. And if he can continue that, if he can go out and get the Cowboys up, a couple of scores on the Packers. I, I think the Cowboys will just cruise to the to the end of the game because, as we've we've uh, delineated, you just aren't going to see the Packers come roaring back and throw quick scores up there the way that they once could. They're not a team that's geared to march down the field. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. 
Real Traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah. I mean, I hate saying it because it feels like it feels because we've done this many, many, many years now. Right. Mm -hmm. It feels almost like I'm buying into the homerism that oftentimes encapsulates a Cowboys season and Cowboys fandom in general. Right. We find a way and we've talked about it before you and I of getting sucked back in to these like dominant victories where everybody they face, they're just going to stomp on. But in this case, like, I do feel like Dak Prescott has what it takes to stomp out these Green Bay Packers. You know, maybe not by halftime, but he could very easily do exactly what he did to Chicago. I'm shocked, Tom, that after the Packers' performance against Detroit a week ago and the Cowboys beating the Bears by 20, I'm shocked that the Cowboys are just five-point favorites in this game. I'm I'm glad they're not more. I can see the argument for it, but I don't. Uh, you know, it's it's like Han said to Luke, "Don't get cocky, kid." You know, this is, <laughs> you know, we we don't want them to think they are invincible. We want them to still go into every game with the mindset of, if we don't take care of business, we can still lose. Well, uh, and I and get that's that, gonna be something. But again, I go back to like I felt that doubt when it was all on the offense because an offense can turn off and on depending on the opponent they're facing. This defense doesn't turn off. They don't turn off. They haven't had a bad performance this season. Truthfully, like the defense has not laid an egg once this season. Now, yes, you can look at some games where the bears put up 29. You probably don't like that for your season total. Right. But as you recap it, the defense has been there in every single game. And what do they say, right? Especially around playoff time, defense travels. Yeah, yeah. they're playing in Green Bay. I don't know if weather is going to be a factor. It doesn't sound like there's going to be any precipitation going on on Sunday to, to play into it. But in perfect conditions, like, I love this defense's chances against nearly anybody yeah. in the NFL. Yeah, and you got to don't discount that the Cowboys went four and one with Cooper rush and the defense played a huge part in that. And somebody else that I think we need to keep remembering was involved in the four and one and who was just as on fire as Dak Prescott last week or two weeks ago. That's Kellen Moore. Have you seen him call a, a better game than that? in the time he's been the offensive coordinator. 
Uh, I think there may have been a couple games he got close, but that was just, it's like whatever. He put out their work, and he wasn't calling the weird trick plays uh, that would wind up losing three yards and disrupt a drive. He was just going out there with what worked. And then you look at the fact that he was effectively playing with two wide receivers that he could deploy out there. And Dalton Schultz was playing with some injury concerns. You know, he was, he was a bit hobbled, Uh, you know, now coming out, hopefully we're going to get Noah Brown back. Hopefully Schultz is going to be a lot healthier. Uh, You've still got the two rookie tight ends in, in Ferguson and Hendershot who look to be the tight ends of the future for this team. Uh, at least until their rookie deals run out. Uh, I think that with a few more tools, that more is just going to look better. And that's going to be key. And like I said, he managed to get the Cowboys four wins with Cooper Rush. Now he's got his starting quarterback in place. And we need to see him come up with another really tasty recipe the Green Bay Packers to get this team down the field and into the end zone. Well, he did certainly dial up and call all the right plays against the Chicago Bears pretty much any time they needed it. I mean, you mentioned Dak Prescott's success on third down going 9 of 11, but a lot of that also has to do with the plays that were called in those moments. And Kellen Moore absolutely shined in in this past week. Uh, I kind of expect the same thing going forward although like you said you'd like to see him incorporate some of the you know the weapons that are coming back right as we get Dalton Schultz fully healthy again Noah Brown looking to make his return that should help I'm also curious as we take a little sidebar right is there something to the Odell Beckham rumors and could Kellen Moore take advantage of that I'm curious right as we're you know I have I have to mention it right because it's the yeah, odds makers have named the Cowboys as the favorite to potentially sign him. You know, the word on the street is, is that he's looking for a multi-year deal. So it would take a longer commitment. You know, he's not looking to necessarily be a rental where he goes. 30-year-old wide receiver coming off an ACL injury. Do you have a thought on him and desire to add him that Kellen Moore could potentially do something more with it or that the Cowboys running just fine as they are and don't really want to upset the apple cart? If they could come up with an agreement that that was right, and and I I don't know if they can do that given the way that Stephen Jones approaches things and the fact I'm not sure they really want to lock themselves into to OBJ for too long. But if they can come up with something, he's an addition they should make, and. There's an awful lot of talk. I mean, both Ezekiel Elliott and Micah Parsons were recruiting a little bit on Wednesday. You know, they were talking about how the team should add him, how they wanted to see him wear the star. And it just seems that there's that this is not just the standard due diligence move that the Cowboys always tout. I think they are really trying to see if they can make this work and may be willing to do a little bit more than normal to make it work. 
Uh, I still think it's less than a 50-50 chance that it's going to happen. But it's not the thing that you can just dismiss out of hand. I think there is a real possibility that this might work out. And I think it would it could be a real difference maker in the playoffs. No doubt about it. And the Cowboys appeared by all, you know, insiders to be doing their due diligence, really focusing on uh, their medical staff and making sure, you know, to clear Odell from those injuries. Cause you know, the last thing you want to do is give a long-term contract to someone that, you know, may not be there in the future, right? It's certainly not something the Cowboys want to lock themselves up to after you know, having such an exodus this offseason of players that they were unwilling to sign to long-term deals and, and you know, hitch their wagon too. So, Kellen Moore, again, given a great opportunity, the Green Bay Packers defense is not exceptional. They're middle of the pack this season, and I think the Cowboys should be able to take advantage of that. One interesting thing, though, like, we – it's been debated about C.D. Lamb, you know, wide receiver one. Is he is he or is he not? I think he's established that he is that. But at the same time, Tom, would it surprise you to know that C.D. Lamb hasn't had a 100-yard game this season yet? No, because I've seen that mentioned. <laughs> I mean, I was, I was aware. <laughs> and if you think about it, I mean, Dak Prescott threw for 250 yards against the Bears. Well, you're not often going to have a 100-yard receiver when you're spreading that 250 yards around among six or seven guys mm-hmm. uh, when you count the running backs and everything. So, yeah, that doesn't really surprise me. Uh, I Another thing that I think is going to be interesting to see uh, that I really want them to get this, this part right, and that is how are they going to use the two-headed running back uh, Ezekiel Elliott was, uh, they were limiting him in practice, but he was indicating to Mike McCarthy that he's ready to go, that he will be on the field. Uh, that is going to mean that we're going to be subjected. There's always something we have to deal with as Cowboys fans. And one this year is the Tony Pollard needs to be the running back, the starting running back. He needs most of the Yeah, I... <laughs> I'm not going to worry about that. I want to see him maximize these guys. And I thought on true though, Tom, he does. He should see more carries and he does deserve it. Like I get the argument and I get the debate. Um, I think it's sometimes when it goes off the rails is like replacing Zeke entirely with Tony. I just yeah. like to see him flop in terms of volume. I think Tony could do more with more touches And I think Zeke would benefit from being the guy that gets to lean on teams later in games because he does like get those tough yardages, uh, you know, that tough yardage a little bit better than Tony does. Like I think Zeke would more be more demoralizing to teams late in games than Tony would. But that's again, that's just really a, a conversation about how you deploy, you know, one a and one B versus one guy being the clear-cut favorite. Yeah, and I, th- I think something that was telling was, uh, I believe it was during the, the broadcast of the Bears game where they mentioned, they said, you know, Tony Pollard just went and got a big, you know, 15-yard run on that, but if that had been Ezekiel Elliott, the hole was still there. 
mm-hmm. he would have been getting 10, 12 yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and he has had some some games where he was getting some nice little chunk plays. Uh, and, and I like the idea without getting into the, the ratio, use both of them so that they they can kind of have the effect of the team getting worn down by the two. You've got the, the guy that can kind of muscle him, muscle his way through you and but still has a little little ability to kind of break it open a little bit. And the guy who's a big threat to breaking it open, but can still muscle you a little bit. Because Tony Pollard is not a guy that goes down easy. He's not afraid of contact. He just evades a lot of it, which is good. And that all circles back around to the fact that the, the offensive line, which actually has not graded out well at all in pass protection, which is kind of surprising given how few sacks they've given up, I think it's a more a tribute to the plays called and the quarterback than I, I initially realized when I was looking at it. But their run blocking has really been pretty good. Mm-hmm. I think there was something like seventh in run blocking win rate in the league. And when you consider the, the turmoil that went on at left guard uh, before the season ever started, that's pretty remarkable. They seem to be really finding their way in the running game. And this is a case of where there may be some legitimacy to the fact that the Cowboys can use the run to set up the pass in in kind of a a traditional way, as long as they're successful in getting six, seven yards to run. Because when you do that, then you can do whatever you want on second down. You come out on first down. And as long as you mix it up so that the teams can never look at you and say, yeah, it's first down, they're going to run. As long as you come out and are willing to throw some play action in there, especially, that can be extremely effective. And, yeah, Prescott's very effective at play action. And I think they need to lean heavily on that. But they've got the line cooking just incredibly better than I dreamed was going to happen after Tyron Smith got hurt. Yeah, and you know we had concerns going all the way back to the to the the free agency period, and they didn't do anything then. Then you know they 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 used a draft pick, but then they still didn't do anything in free agency, and really left it completely alone until they kind of had to go out and get Jason Peters. And but even when they signed Peters, we thought it was all right. We're on like the brink of disaster, and. Mm-hmm. Jason Peters hasn't had to take on some major role on this offensive line. He's a guy that's like helping out in practice and basically standing on the sideline seeing, hey, you need you need me for a couple plays? I'll play spot duty real quick. No problem. Yeah, he, I'll give a guy a break. But he's yeah, not he, out there starting the game or playing, you know, 60 offensive snaps. Yeah, I think he had like 13 snaps last Seriously. week. Uh, I'd have to look it up. But they're effective snaps. They are. It's kind of nice that they can work him in with Connor McGovern and the team doesn't miss a beat. So that's, you know, they have a depth problem. It's good to see that coming up. So it's just, you know, with, with Tyron Smith looking like he's going to be back on the roster before the end of the regular season, maybe they're going to weather this far better than I could ever have dreamed when they got started. Shocking. as yeah, we settle into the second half of the season and start to see where things go, that the Cowboys' offensive line has arguably been 
the second most consistent unit on the team outside of like the linebacking group. Yeah. Or I don't know. There's been quite a bit of consistency on the defensive side of the ball. So I probably shouldn't have opened that Pandora's box, but you get what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, uh, yeah, it's 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 something we should just be thankful for because I can't tell you how they did. <laughs> it just surprises me. Uh, but I wanted to mention to wrap everything's up, everything up. There's another aspect of the team that we just have a tendency to call, overlook and not worry about, not talk about, and that's the special teams. How many times has the other team had a big special teams play? Can't think of a one. Yeah, big goose egg, at least as far as I can remember. How many times have the Cowboys had a big special teams play? Uh, I know they blocked. I know they blocked at least one punt. I know they blocked a field goal. I think there's a multiple in there somewhere, but I can't remember which it was. And Kevante Turpin was one missed cut. He went the wrong direction, or he would have scored a touchdown on that punt return. I swear. <laughs> And, and so they have been incredibly solid. They've had some big plays. And then there's Mr. Consistency, Brett Maher. As long as you're not asking him to boom one from really deep, he's going to put three points up for you. You know, he hasn't missed an extra point. Uh, if you'd asked me, if I'd been making predictions before the season, and had been asked, will Brett Maher be nearly perfect through the first half of the season? That probably would have been, would have been one of the ones I would most certainly have disagreed with. I said, no way. You know, that just hasn't been his history, and yet here we are. This, you know, you got to give some credit to, uh, uh, to, to John Fossil. His coverage guys are doing a great job. Got guys just flying down the field and getting to the the returners, and you know, as I said, Turpin just always seems to be a, a step or two from breaking one at least once a game. And I think we need to just remember what these guys have done and how solid it's been that they are they are definitely holding up their part of the bargain and helping it out overall. And you know, since we've kind of gone around more because you know, I. I Dan Quinn gets so much credit for the defense. You know, you can't talk about them without Quinn getting mentioned. We've talked about Kellen Moore. I brought up John Fossil. I want to just wrap up by, you know, giving some praise to one Mike McCarthy, who apparently the team is rather motivated to go into Green Bay where McCarthy was fired and make them – kind of regret it, especially since the Cowboys hang a loss on the Packers. That'll be the seventh loss of the season. And McCarthy was fired after losing seven games in Green Bay. And that would be a beautiful bit of irony, I think, for them ah. to go out there. And, wow. and Yeah, I think McCarthy has, you know, he said earlier in the season he was getting more involved with the offensive rooms, with the offensive meetings. I think that has paid off. He has done the exactly right thing with Dan Quinn, which is basically to pass him in the hallway and say, good job, Dan, keep it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what you do. When you've got one coordinator who's lights out 
and another one that needs a little tweaking, well, you go tweak and let the other guy just go out there. And I think McCarthy is, I think people are discounting the leadership. I think they're discounting how much his players believe in him. Uh, I think they're really discounting how much the staff believes in him and maybe how much Jerry and Stephen Jones believe in him. Uh, We're a long way from talking about how long he was going to last before he got fired. No doubt we are. Even I have to admit uh, we are miles away from that conversation at this point. It's not one I'm going to bring up anytime soon because he doesn't deserve to have that conversation be brought up around him, quite frankly. He doesn't deserve that at this point. And, And by the way, you know, to bring it all back full circle, perhaps it's the motivation that Mike McCarthy may supply to the Cowboys team that offsets that motivation. I believe that the Packers will bring to the table in saying that this is basically their season on the line, right? That may be just enough juice to offset what the Packers do and ultimately put them to their final resting place for the 2022 football season. And we would all love to see that because gosh, the Packers have done it to us so many times over in other spots. So with that being said, we will catch you next week after the Cowboys hopefully improve their record once again as they face the Green Bay Packers in Green Bay this weekend, 325 kick. Of course, you can catch the pregame there on the YouTube channel, and we'll also have postgame for you there on the Blogging the Boys YouTube channel. So make sure you subscribe to that. For Tom, I'm Roy. Y'all stay riled up on the Cowboys, and we'll see you next week.